More and more people are moving to cities, and that's going to affect almost every industry. We are very cautious and very aware to make a conscious effort to work with the ecosystem. What can the average person do to take action now? Not one person can change the world, but if we all do a little something different, it might help. Being open to embracing innovation. Know that you can make a difference. A absolutely. There's no excuse not to even do a little bit. Let's go check it out. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Going Green. As always, we appreciate it. A real quick shout out to our sponsor, Triwa. Triwa is a watch company that creates watches made from recycled plastic and deconstructed metal from guns. Uh, they're doing awesome things. They are my favorite watch company. I wear a lot of watches, I collect watches, and I have not taken off my watch from them since I received it. It's amazing. So if you are looking for a cool watch with a good cause uh, or as a gift, check out Triwa, Triwa.com. They are an amazing company. And let's get right back to that amazing content. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Going Green. I'm super excited to talk to our guest today. He's going to share a little insight into AI and machine learning. He's the CEO of Refocus. We've got Colby Tunick on the show today. Colby, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on, Dylan. Yeah, so let's dive right into it. Um, what is Refocus and what was kind of your inspiration to start the company? Yeah, Refocus is an intuitive AI plugin that helps insurance professionals make more sales. What really got us down this track was we were seeing some interesting trends with climate change and natural disaster, among others. Now, over the last 150 years, we've seen lots of population movement and growth of major cities and areas that are very disaster prone. And you know, 2020 has definitely been a year for the, the books. We'll probably study it 50, 60 years from now. Uh, a couple things that make it unique, at least in the Western United States, it's been a record year for wildfires, but this follows other record years for wildfires. The center of the country has had severe hail and windstorms. And on the East Coast, uh, we've seen major flooding and hurricanes. And this is only the second time since 2005 that we've exhausted the English alphabet for the naming of hurricanes. Now we're on the Greek alphabet. So when we think about resiliency and natural disasters, one of the first lines of defense is just how financially set people are to rebuild and restart their lives after a natural catastrophe of any sort, whether it be an earthquake, a wildfire, a flood, a hurricane. And until we figure out as a community, as a nation, how to deal with long-term sustainability, um, insurance is kind of that first line of defense. Insurance is uh, a financial product that helps people rebuild their lives after a natural catastrophe has happened. Uh, but the thing is, at least within insurance, most of these natural catastrophe-related products are add-on or supplemental to your main insurance product. So, you have a car insurance policy, you have a home insurance policy, you may have a renter's policy for rent, but all the natural catastrophe policies are in addition to that. So our product helps more people who need these policies get it because we help the insurance agents sell these policies to these people and just diversify that risk pool so that the money is there for people who need it after a natural catastrophe. Wow. So... What's really interesting is, you know, we talked to a lot of CEOs in this company and whether they're in, uh, you know, solar or electric vehicles or transportation and a lot of their companies, you know, they're tech companies that um, are working, you know, they're in sustainability, they're in uh, clean tech, but it's more sort of 
fixing the problem that's that's coming whereas you're really dealing with the effects of climate change that are happening right now mm -hmm. um so you're kind of on the front lines of you know it's not it's not something that's happening in the future and we can you know transition to electric vehicles no this is happening right now and you're seeing the effects of it um how have you kind of taken that and you have a background working sort of in the environment as well too is that correct I did. I did focus on international trade and customs um, and some international defense projects as well that dealt with, uh, as we're saying, the environment, clean tech, things of that nature. Yeah. So how did, I mean, it's really, it's crazy, honestly. How did you kind of get into the tech side of things and what trends are you seeing in that space in terms of the AI and the smart learning? Sure. So when we think about artificial intelligence, um, the last five to 10 years, we've really seen a renaissance in the accessibility of machine learning because of open source software development. So these are communities of just people like you and me, developers that help each other build amazing code. Uh, we call that open source software. And we've seen this uh, emergence of open source over the last 10 years. And this has really led to maybe not an AI renaissance, but definitely a lot of forward movement, which is why you're seeing a lot of machine learning in everyday life. And when we were looking into this, um, we began to realize that just insurance companies have too much data. And they're one of the few segments of industry that just overwhelmed with data, finance in general, but insurance particularly. And we wanted to help, help them use their data to make better business decisions. And this is really where machine learning shines. There is a, a small differentiator between artificial intelligence and machine learning. When we think about AI, we think about computers that without having experienced something before, are able to kind of look at a situation, innately understand it and respond. And of course, we're just not there yet with technology. On the machine learning side of the house, we, we think about uh, statistical analysis, looking at you know a macro level of data, but being able to really pull up micro trends, right? you know, very actionable intelligence. You should do this versus that. And putting these together, we realized that there was an opportunity to help insurance professionals um, sell more insurance products to people who need it, and really using machine learning as the differentiator in the technology behind that solution. So um, I got kind of two questions for you. Can you give us just sort of a bit like an example of machine learning that affects sort of the everyday person that they might not mm -hmm. even realize is a part of their life? Yeah. So uh, uh, Spotify or Netflix, which one do you use more, Dylan? Uh, well, I use both, <laughs> but I probably use uh, Spotify more. Probably use Spotify more. So Spotify has a recommendation algorithm that learns what type of music you like and then serves that content to you. And more than that, it finds music you've never heard before and makes that available for you to listen to. Similarly with Netflix, that has a recommendation engine. It says shows we think you want to watch next. And it does that through machine learning. It looks at other people who fit your demographic and it says, you know, based on what those people listen to, what do we think Colby or Dylan would want us to listen to or watch? Mm -hmm. And that's machine learning really in a nutshell. Got it. And that's, I mean, that's prevalent everywhere. You know, like when you look at it that way, the Facebook ads we're getting, the Instagram ads, really, you know, when it comes to digital media, it's, I, can, I can see sort of how that's happening. Um, 
So I guess my second question, and, and I'm kind of just trying to understand a little bit more what you're working on is, and maybe I'm making an assumption here, do you kind of identify people that would be more susceptible to essentially the effects of climate change, whether it's fires or other natural disasters and say, hey, insurance companies, this is a person that, you know, is in an area that's highly likely to be in a, you know, in the path of a fire or a hurricane, you should reach out to these people to, you know, connect with them to do more business. Is that kind of what you have set up? We take a slightly different tact. We look at historical records uh, for these insurance professionals and we use that to then infer what people in the future will buy or what they're likely to buy. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the benefits of these supplemental insurance policies that you know, kind of make up this natural catastrophe realm, which is really important to community resilience, is that they're not, very, they're not always very expensive, but they can be very profitable for the insurance agent. Most of the time, though, the common insurance agent um, is just not very tuned into trying to sell those, right? Because it might not be as big of a payoff as getting a new homeowner's policy, for mm -hmm. instance, right, in the, in the commission they get. Uh, but over time, if there's a way that we can almost put it on autopilot for them, we can do two things. One, we can help the insurance agent be a lot more profitable, which is why they want to use our tool. And two, we can help the communities that these insurance, op uh, these insurance professionals sell to build up this resiliency so that after the catastrophe, they can continue to function and rebuild their lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, I'm sure it helps the people, you know, when they're connected and they might not get, you know, let's say pitched, hey, we can also provide you with, you know, earthquake insurance or, you know, fire insurance. And then it's too late and they don't have any protection. Um, so I could definitely see that. I mean, I've been in uh, car accidents before where if you don't have the right insurance, you know, you or you can get screwed, God forbid, you know, yeah. your house burns down and you're not covered. Um, that could be terrible. Where do you kind of see the future of not only, um, you know, just the insurance space, but kind of thinking bigger, like how can you see machine learning and AI kind of combining with climate change and, you know, affecting people in different industries? So one of the things, so machine learning AI has its pluses or minuses. Um, the minus is sometimes it comes to the wrong conclusion for the wrong reason. Um, an example of this is if you're in the hospital and you're sick, uh, it may say you're sick because you have a kidney stone. It may not know that you were exposed to someone with the flu yesterday. So AI is only as good as the data it's given, and that's an innate weakness. But on the positives, uh, given the right data, given enough transparency in how the models are built, given an eye to making sure that the models are not biased, and that's also kind of been in the, the news lately with Twitter's you know, photo cropping algorithm, uh, machine learning can help streamline and automate a lot of the uh, both ecological um, rules and regulations that we have in terms of automating, say, you know, gas emissions at uh, power plants, right, um, to reduce them to the lowest possible level, if at all, uh, and also streamlining uh, relief supplies after a catastrophe by automating the customs process. And that was something we saw uh, in March with COVID. Uh, all of the personal protective equipment was stuck in Hong Kong and China because customs literally couldn't clear it in time. And automating you know, processes like this um, in a way that's sustainable and beneficial to humanity uh, at the macro level 
uh, is really where AI will shine in the next 15, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, AI, you know, just from like movies and stuff kind of has, you know, this bad rap of like robots turning against us. But really, you know, it can find these gaps and connect these different systems and come up with efficiencies that, you know, humans have never thought of. Or, you know, also, um, you know, sifting through all this data, they, you know, they can notice trends that we might not, you know, have the capabilities to do that. So I am excited um, to kind of see where it takes us. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to affect our lives in so many different ways. So it's really cool to kind of see and, and learn about it. Um, what made you kind of want to get into AI and machine learning? Yeah, back in 2015, I was doing my undergrad degree and I began to become interested in how we can combat hate speech online. It's just interesting how 2020 has made this issue you know, much more prevalent in, I think, the general person's life. Uh, but really using machine learning to identify where we should be putting our education dollars into combating hate speech, especially uh, in the elementary and middle school arena, because right now there's kind of a, a, a blanket all approach. We give equal dollars to everywhere and not necessarily targeting our dollars towards the places that it would have the greatest impact. Uh, and then that kind of set me down on this journey of where can we apply machine learning uh, to make our lives fuller, richer, uh, you know, more equitable for everybody. Very cool. Yeah. What, um, what's been kind of the most, you know, sort of eye-opening experience for you that you've been, you know, that you, now that you have been working in this space? Absolutely. So we were uh, on the phone with the customer the other day and he was saying how, using our product is like he has a crystal ball. And when he approaches a client uh, to try and either increase the coverage so that they have proper coverage, like you were saying in an auto accident, oftentimes it's not that you don't have insurance, it's just you don't have enough insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like he could read their minds and it was just so much easier for him to do his job. And this is, you know, at, at least as a, a co-founder of, of a great company, I'm joined by Elijah Chang and Alexander Pearson Goulart. Um, as co-founders and it's really nice to know that what we spent our time doing is going to make these people's lives richer in our industry there's 400,000 insurance professionals you know, specifically in the United States we've done some calculations about you know changing the way that these people work for eight hours a day over a normal career and it's something like 10,000 years of you know humanity of humans lives that we will change with this product and I think that in and of itself is very satisfying much of the same way that social media has changed our consumer lives smartphones have changed our consumer lives you know it's changed the way that four hundred thousand people work is quite a privilege yeah actually you know that's really interesting you say that because um you bring up a really good point where you know people say oh th these robots are going to take our jobs and and you know a lot of times honestly it's jobs that like will eventually get automated anyway and it's mm -hmm. jobs that aren't using you know people using their skills to the highest level it's them you know stocking shelves or taking inventory and things and um when those jobs do get automated it doesn't mean like those people are just going to go and you know twiddle their thumbs and you know do drugs and drink it, it gives them an opportunity to and not anyone specifically it gives humanity more time to focus on you know bigger picture things um i don't think humans were meant to work for 12 hours a day stocking shelves. I think, you know, people can apply themselves
in much better ways, but also at the same time, they have to work to pay their bills and keep a roof over their head. So if we can kind of utilize AI um, to do that, I mean, like you just said, you know, 10,000 human years is back. Um, that's really exciting. What's one thing that the audience can kind of take away as sort of an action item? Like what could they do to either sort of embrace, you know, machine learning and incorporate it into their business or their life? Um, and also sort of in a sustainable environmental, environmentally friendly way, is there anything that you would recommend to, to the listeners and the viewers? Yeah. So AI, once you get outside of the movies, um, you realize how unintimidating it is. Uh, sometimes it can be a little freaky how well Spotify knows music tastes. Uh, but you know, that's kind of the name of the game, right? Uh, and to be honest, if I was served music that I didn't like, I would probably be a little upset. Like, why are you showing me this? I don't want to have to use my skips on it. Uh, but there, I, I think it just become, initially it just starts by recognizing how prevalent it already is in your life. Um, and just, you know, keeping an open mind to it. Uh, I know there's definitely a concern about job loss. And that's something that, uh, you know, we face building this company because, you know, the initial concern was, is this going to take my job? And the answer is no. Um, will it change the types of jobs that are in insurance? Absolutely. Will it ever do away with all of the jobs? No. Will it do away with any jobs? No. We actually expect there to be a net gain in insurance with AI, just because now people can focus on doing what really matters and not spending time, you know, just hand peeing and data into an Excel spreadsheet. Um, if you are interested in you know, the intersection of uh, machine learning, AI, and the environment, there's a couple of good books. I know there's a couple of podcasts. I don't have any off the top of my head that talk about uh, how AI can really, in the macro sense, uh, help us create efficiencies that make the world a better place. Uh, and it's as simple as optimizing the path that a jetliner flies at, or the altitude that it flies at. Or, using ocean currents and wind power rather than you know gas power turbine to power cargo ship um, and even though in ai in our in our daily consumer facing lives we see ai as kind of taking away our privacy and that's an important conversation to also have at least on the commercial side it's really helping one people do less dangerous and mundane things and two helping reduce the amount of time it takes to do something or the amount of fuel it burns, reducing uh, unnecessary expenditure, if you will. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, when any new technology comes out, there's always pros and cons, you know, I mean, like um, when you say machine learning, I'm thinking, you know, another kind of common example that everyone's familiar with is, uh, Amazon being like, Oh, I bet you should buy this. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's, their AI and machine learning tracking what I've searched, comparing it to other people. And like, yeah, that's, it is weird. Um, and it is kind of, it does seem like it's sort of digging into my, you know, um, my private life. But at the same time, if you think about what, at the end of the day, they're selling products, right? Like people have been selling products for thousands of years. The only different thing is instead of someone bringing a, you know, a pot to a marketplace, it's technology saying, hey, we noticed that you just bought this and someone else bought that. They also bought this. You might need this too. Um, so it's, it, it's just, you know, again, the advancing of technology. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, and, and this is probably something we don't have to dive into right away, but, you know, sort of 
oversight of <clears throat> AI and you know how they're able to use that data and, and um, all that stuff. But it is exciting to see and hear and just talk to someone who's kind of been working on it. Um, Colby, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us today and sharing that information. Um, it's really cool to hear about it. And uh, I know we're really scratching the surface. I'll have to get you back on the show and, you know, dive a little bit deeper. Hopefully, um, you know, we can machine learn and use AI to, uh, you know, make the world a better place at the same time. And uh, hopefully we won't have as many natural disasters, but until then it's a serious, real, you know, problem we're facing. And, um, you know, we gotta, we gotta, you know, attack it full, full force. So it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, kind of how you're utilizing the information, the technology, um, working in sustainability and kind of applying it to specifically the insurance place. So again, thanks for taking some time out of your day to be here with us. Thank you for having me on, John. And uh, to everyone who tuned in, um, be sure to check out Colby. The company is Refocus. As always, our goal is to just talk to, you know, very high level CEOs, scientists, experts, and, um, you know, pick their brain a little bit learn about the industries they're working in and share that information with you. Uh, every week we try to bring on the best and brightest in their industry. So as always, stay tuned. Um, we appreciate you tuning into the episode and we'll see you on the next episode of Going Green.